Welcome to the Quick Bite Podcast, your five-minute digital dose of tech news and tips and tricks for digital-first marketing. Quick Bite is brought to you by Lance Montana, a digital marketing agency based in Brisbane, Australia. All right. <laughs> Best intro ever. <laughs> Sorry, I just went nervous. I just had to say Can we use this? I think it's good. <laughs> Well, I'm Lucy, and I'm here with Lawrence and Alex from Lance, Hello. Montana. Hello. If you're not familiar with Alex, that's probably because she's new-ish yeah. to the team. Yeah, maiden voyage, setting sail, but not really because she's a podcast master. She is. From, what's it called? What's it called? Oh, uh, do we want people yeah, to know Yeah, yeah, we want to totally promote yes, this. Yes, I, I do podcast. It's called All the World's a Stage Mum. It is a podcast with my mother. Don't expect intelligent thoughts there. Just, It's awesome, know. everybody. Just musings and Quit listening musings. to this podcast now <laughs> and go and listen to All the World's a Stage Mum. Mum, exactly. <laughs> so welcome to uh, this episode of Quick Bite. It's been a little while, um, but that's because we've been working hard on just lots of exciting stuff yeah, for relaxing. you. Um, today's topic uh, is on digital trends. It's, it's pretty much a, a therapy session, isn't it? Like this is get get on the couch, is, get is comfortable. Lucy's your psychologist. <laughs> Alex is your psychiatrist, and I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm changing the light bulb here because we know that you're suffering from digital overwhelm, and we've we've done the research, and we're here to help relax you and tell you where to put your focus as you come into 2020. So, Alex, over to you. Yeah, so we've got a few uh, digital trends today. They're not necessarily brand new; they've kind of um, built up over definitely over 2019 and we think they're definitely going to make an impact next year oh in 2020 um, next year it's still, it's still next year it's looming though. depending yes. on when you're listening yeah. to it yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but 2020 is fast approaching um so uh, i guess the first trend we want to talk about is ephemeral content um basically that's really short visual content like photos or videos. I'm sure most people will be familiar with it, you know, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, Snapchat or that. Snapchat is the is the, the, the sort of iconic. It, yeah, of it's really started for sure. Yeah. yeah, so obviously um, any content lasts for twenty four hours. And it's gone. It's, it's here gone. and then it's gone. It's so that's the whole that's, that's the major sort of attribute of it. Yeah. Is that it's a different style of communication and it's one that I think personally is is super important we're seeing uh, I, don't know, I don't know about you ladies but even in my my family and my close network of friends less and less talking and posting in public sort of um, permanent format and more and more sort of offline or not offline secure sort of messaging apps like whatsapp and just things that are that, that you know don't create a permanent public record which you know in this heightened era of uh intense security and privacy is um, you know just more and more people are aware of the the long-lasting impact of their digital activities these days yeah and i guess more and more people are, are embracing you know this kind of content because it's in real time you can if say if you're traveling overseas you know you post some instagram stories and straight away you get sent to all, all your friends or all your followers um, whereas I think when we post like in-feed content, you know, you kind of curate, well, not everyone, but a lot of people curate it and, you know, edit it and that takes a bit of time and then you'll post it. So it's definitely, you know, instant. 
I like it because I feel like it's a little bit more authentic. There's kind of less polish and yeah. people aren't sort of interested so much in it being sort of really shiny and and curated, as you said before. It's kind of more about being in the moment. Yeah, for sure. And, and sort of as Alex said earlier, um, you know, we are talking about these being trends, but what we're really saying is that, you know, these are solid um, sort of long-term seismic shifts um, in the digital arena and landscape that, um, you know, may have been around for some time, but are going to keep getting stronger, in our opinion, in 2020. So what's a tangible way that our audience can get um, stuck into um, optimising their use or increasing their use in a way that doesn't waste their time of ephemeral content? Where's the, where's the starting point for, for people, do you think? You know, getting familiar with all the features that are available within the actual apps like Facebook or Instagram, you know, uh, I think both of those platforms, they offer polls, Q&As, you know, making use of those little tools is great, especially if your aim is to engage with your audience a bit more. So really exploring the options that are available on the platforms and then you can kind of, you know, go away and look at what else you can do outside of the platform, like create cool templates um, for your followers. And there are some pretty cool tools that you can use, aren't there, sort of on Instagram and even on some of the other social media platforms, things like Canva, Stories Edit is a good one, um, Unfold. Okay, awesome. So, ephemeral content, get on board uh, and uh, and get on trend. So, uh, the, the next um, sort of seismic shift and continuing evolution of the digital marketing landscape that you've noted here, Alex, has been pretty big coming into 2020 is this little app you may have heard of called TikTok. Yeah. Um, look, it's been pretty big this year, um, but definitely it could go even further next year. And I think we'll probably start seeing more and more businesses and marketed, marketers you know, using it in their strategies. I feel like it started to happen this year, but yeah, definitely next year, I think will be a big year for, I mean, any kind of digital or marketing strategy for sure. So, so with, with TikTok this year, on the, the pro side, right, is it, you know, it was, it was musically, it was mm-hmm. um, bought out uh, by some huge Chinese tech company. Yeah, ByteDance. Um, um, ByteDance, but that, but I think ByteDance is owned and they, they like had Tencent or someone else like massive yeah they yeah. had another platform as well and they kind of combined Major. the two yeah. Yeah. yeah and so okay huge out of Southeast Asia and then has it's I think uh, to my knowledge that is the first um, sort of social media app that has successfully jumped the Pacific into the States and grown over there it's huge yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's it's ever Gary Vaynerchuk is on board plugging it hard so that you know the marketing world is going to get behind it in a big way. Um, major issue, some minor security concerns about you know the Chinese government using it as a way to uh, infiltrate the rest of uh, the world. Also, um, you know, uh, parents sort of probably rightly so wondering whether um, this is a play by a social media platform to. Um, to grab a young audience that shouldn't really be allowed to be doing all these kind of things and have, having their own social media network mm. um, under the under the guise of it being um, all about music. A 
originally it's for lip syncing, <laughs> like like yeah. per little performances, like like you know all of, all about music. You know, hence it was called musically, right? Yeah. So you know, um, and so parents would be like, oh, it's totally fine for my fourteen-year-old daughter to be on musically, or eight-year-old daughter, mm. seven-year-old son, or whatever, because it's a learning and education app where they're um, they're being musical. But it's not that <laughs> at all. It's just totally morphed into um, yeah, just a just a fun place, uh, I guess, for people to record little vine-like videos. Where yeah. Big Brother is potentially watching. hundred percent. Big Brother is watching, and collecting the data, and yeah, thinking about how best to monetize it and turn, <laughs> turn these kids into walking dollar signs. Yeah. So anyway, get onto TikTok. It's what Alex is saying. I think so. Um, yeah. I think it, it definitely yeah resonates well with the younger generations. Um, but who knows, that could change next year. It's, it's a wide, diverse demographic on there. It's already got enough traction that it's, it's huge. It's not going to go anywhere in the next the next couple of months. Like you, You'll see TikTok grow next year for sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of brands on there already. And um, Alex, you, you said you've seen some influencers on there doing sort of makeup tutorial videos, which seems to be a good fit for the platform. Yeah, it like with like in kind of like a partnership with a, a brand. So obviously like influencer marketing mm-hmm. um, where um, like High Smile Teeth, they're a, I think Gold Coast based company. Um, they had a few videos of like influencers doing makeup tutorials while whitening their teeth. So that's, and that's kind of the look for high smile teeth. So that works really well. Everybody on the Gold Coast is more beautiful. I just drove up this morning. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. They're all out there. Do they move there because they're beautiful? Or like, if you're born there and live there, you just become beautiful? I think it's just a side effect of is the. It, it, yeah. Speaking of Gold Coast and beautiful people, next on the list, micro influencers. Is that, do they all live in the Gold Coast? Well, I mean, a lot of them do, yeah. I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're beautiful. Okay. Do they become yeah. micro influencers because they moved to the Gold Coast? <laughs> so, yeah, we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, the whole influencer um, market has evolved rapidly. It's mm-hmm. still a little bit of the wild, wild west, but there's been a massive sort of springing back to some kind of more legitimate, transparent. Yeah. I think Model. because um, a lot of, we'll say, bigger brands, they're using celebrities now for influence and, you know, that costs a lot of money. Um, and I guess, I don't know, maybe there's uh, this idea of, like, how trustworthy are the celebrities when they use these products? Are they just doing it because they get this huge paycheck? So that's probably a, a, one of the reasons why, um, say, smaller or medium-sized businesses do enjoy using micro-influencers who have a smaller following but their engagement rate is higher but they're more trustworthy because they spend a lot more time you know chatting to their followers or having like a nice online relationship I guess with their followers as well. Um, it's a positive uh, self-affirming feedback cycle between platform and culture because it's the social media platforms uh, giving personal accounts more reach than brand accounts so brands are more likely to use personal accounts to try and to reach people because it's going to cost them less dollar for dollar on on the reach that you get and the engagement levels that you get out of it and of course you know influence through third parties is much more successful than me telling Lucy I'm awesome I mean it's obvious but (laughs) if somebody else tells Lucy then she's more likely to believe it so it's almost coming full circle in that it was sort of you know Peer reviews were very sort of important and, and then sort of yeah. influences became this kind of 
behemoth and it's kind of paired right back down almost to a point where they're wanting peer reviews again that you know it needs to be somebody that you would you see as your friend or you see as part of your kind of your circle your community um which can, yeah is a good thing it's all about that personal brand right so how can people um you know small medium business owners marketing um, managers and coordinators at larger businesses how can they um better leverage the power of micro-influencers in 2020? What's a quick and easy way for them to do it? I think it starts by building or being reaching out to the community that you already have. So have a look, see who's following you, um, see who's sort of engaging with you on your social platform and, and make sure you're sort of building a bit of a tribe um, and I guess rewarding them. Um, for any sort of interaction on social media that they do do with you, I think that's sort of an easy, an easy way, and it's a way of generating sort of some, some genuine kind of uh, micro, uh, micro influences, I suppose, amongst those people who are your current customer base, um, and I guess that'll just kind of expand outwards um, as as their as their peers um, see their content, see them mm. sort of using your service or your product. Um, so fundamental good list management is like create that segment in your list yeah, of VIPs, you know, and have, have a different track of communications and marketing for them than for, you know, the rest of your extremely valuable but not quite so VIP uh, members. So voice search, um, so we touted this coming into 2019 and like, you know, it, it's been a bit, it's been huge. Um, I pretty much... Um, want to throw my, my Google Home uh, in the bin. <laughs> I, I don't use it. It's just more annoying than anything else. But my hardcore, hardwired um, techie brother-in-law has got um, voice um, activation devices um, allowing him to remotely start his uh, uh, his washing machine when he's out. Yeah, yeah, he can do all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, does it hang out your washing as well? Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> not quite, not quite. <laughs> so out of this, uh, you know, complex and rapidly evolving um, digital marketing landscape of um, trends and new apps and uh, new behaviours, um, how come voice search is on your top five for twenty twenty, Alex? Yeah, well, I have some stats uh, to kind of, I guess, prove why voice search is going to be really big in 2020. And, well, it, it already is big, but why it's going to be bigger in 2020. So, um, according to Forbes, 40% of adults use voice search on a daily basis, which is... Wow. It's a lot. 52% yeah. of people use voice search while driving to yeah. find where they're going to go to the lunch, mm. Lucy, unlike you, who would only ever type yeah. in a query yeah. when you want to go for lunch. I wouldn't ask that. <laughs> I'd ask maybe where the petrol station is, or I wouldn't ask about lunch. Yeah, okay. I would ask them and say, how do I get to Julia's Pizzeria? But I, yeah, I wouldn't be looking for suggestions. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> pizza only. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, pizza. that makes sense, because pizza's lazy, and men are lazy, and on average, more men than women use voice search at least once per month, according to social media today. Mm. So there you go. Mm. Voice search is lazy, and so it will be increasing in usage in 2020. How do we get into using it? What's the hot tips? Okay, well, essentially, providing quick, pithy, concise answers to um, queries that are 
likely to be used by somebody in a mobile situation when they you know don't have their uh, hands free so um, yeah that's that's the way to, to get your results on a website into voice search so one liner answers that are really easy to use and there's a bunch of really common style of voice searches one of the classic ones is um, insert search query near me and so yeah anything which relates to your brand which people might want to know on the go, on the move, that's where to head. And I guess also making things a bit more conversational because it's an actual voice speaking to you and everything sounds a lot more natural. Mm -hmm. It's, I guess, creating content that sounds natural as if like a, a human is answering mm -hmm. another human, obviously. <laughs> it's a, well, it's a wonderful evolution and turnaround of over-optimizing text mm -hmm. to more conversational, natural language. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. I'm excited that this is uh, in, in the top five list. What have we got next, Lucy? Next up, we've got visual search. Isn't that just using your eyes to look around? Well, <laughs> you could look at it that way. <laughs> um, but we're talking about images. Uh, so people are using visual search uh, when they're sort of using Pinterest um, and sites like ASOS. According to the stats, uh, from social media today, 19% of search queries on Google are visual, and there are over 600 million visual searches on Pinterest alone every single month. So that's a lot of fashion, uh, homewares, and healthy recipes yeah. <laughs> that people are looking for. I really like this trend because I've actually used it like for a couple of years now. Particularly on ASOS, I've, you know, seen things perhaps say on Instagram. I screenshot or save the photo, um, I upload it, I guess upload it, yeah, upload it to ASOS. You know, they have a, a, a image search button there. And yeah, and it does, it spits out all these products that look similar and, you know, if you're lucky, might be the exact same one. But generally it just goes for something that looks very similar to what you're searching. It's really good. Is this is, is this a bit like on Catfish when they do a reverse Google image search or is this or is this different? How does Google Lens differ from? My understanding of catfishing has got nothing to do with well, Google search. The reason why that the visual search plays a big part in finding out whether or not the person is a catfish. Sure, okay. So if they're using somebody else's photo, it's a quick way to yeah. work out if you're talking to a catfish or the real thing is to upload the yeah, it's like yeah. pretending to be yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger in a new Tinder profile. Right. Yeah. He's on Tinder? What? <laughs> He's not available. You haven't seen Arnold Schwarzenegger. Usually the first thing they do is, you know, input this person's photos and see if they're who they say they are or if they're okay. not. And usually, okay. as is the case, they're yeah. not. So, uh, visual search, big, it's going to get bigger. Um, what uh, What is a quick, easy way to uh, improve your brand's or businesses' um, performance on visual search? Alt text. Absolutely. Is Image optimization going to be the number one, surely, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's basically adding keywords, your keywords to the alt text in your images when yeah. you upload them to... Yeah, and the title of the image. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Making sure the images are a nice, small file, weight size. And in fact, we've got a whole other quick bite episode all about image optimization and visual search. And we'll put a link in the uh, show notes to this one. And I guess if you if you have say an e-commerce site, um, 
it might be worth looking into building an image search into your site. You could go to Pinterest or ASOS as an example to see what it looks like, how it works, you know, give it a go. Nice, okay, awesome. Maybe you will be able to use it in dating apps down the track because if there's somebody that you like or you've got a type, right? Yeah, yeah. You could just upload a picture of your ex-boyfriend oh. and they could make recommendations. <laughs> my, my future partner, that is sort of like so scary freaking that's probably already happening somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Awesome. Thanks for that roundup, Alex. It's uh, uh, very exciting to be here near the end of the year. I don't know about uh, YouTube, but it feels like the last 100 metres of a uh, marathon this year. So yeah. we're excited to take some time off. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you have a wonderful uh, Christmas and a holiday break, and we will talk to you in the new year. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Quick Bite Podcast. This has been a production of Lance Montana, a digital marketing agency based in Brisbane, Australia. For more great free resources, go to lancemontana.com.au.